exactly the Harvard Journal of Medicine. This is legitimate I believe it, though, because it's on the internet. Guys, everything on the internet is true. Right? Anything short of Ask Jeeves is basically it's nonsense. It's science. What, what was the old... Was it just um, encyclopedia? What? Encarta. Yahoo. Encarta. Encarta, I think, is a brand of encyclopedia, right? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Okay, what was... Oh, man, I'm trying to think of old browsers. Old browsers? Like, search browsers? No, like, a Chrome is a browser. Oh, like, Internet Explorer? Like, there's one before that that we used in, like, elementary school. That was... That was important. Well, how how old are you? I'm 27. Oh, okay. So maybe it was just a little bit before your time. I'm 562. And, um... Those two years are starting to show, Greg. <laughs> I'm looking like a granddaddy long legs. Okay, Netscape. That's the one I was looking for. Netscape. 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 That's Netscape. Netscape. Okay, I did have Netscape. I okay. do know what that it was. Because one time I got in trouble because I looked on the Netscape stories and there were like naughty stories on them. Ooh. And I remember like I read one and I was like, hmm. I have to read all of them. And so I read all of them. Was that was there. that your introduction to porn? Erotic literature? Probably. What is that? Because um, I was young. What's that website that's so great? <laughs> <laughs> um, really narrowing it down. <laughs> um, Answers.com. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Jeeves. LimeWire. This is all going back to Pornhub again. Is it, is it also is oh. it a porn reference or is it? Like, There's our plugin. Uh, we've talked about it before. It's an erotic literature. Literotica. Literotica. Oh, yes, girl. Although it's really weird and it's really bad writing, but like if you just like skip past like the really shitty introductions, it's like that's good. Right. We don't need to right. set the scene necessarily. No, I don't need to know what shitty thing you dreamed up, you bad writer, but eventually it gets like hot. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't remember looking at that. <laughs> Funny story. One time Kev opened my browser and that was up and he goes, You might want to delete your search history. Like said something very <laughs> And I was like, what did you see? Like, what could it have possibly been? Like, we were dating. It would be fine. And Kev, he, like, told me, and I was like, oh. Kev had, had some stuff, though. Yeah, he was a little weird about it. He had some sex. stuff. He had some stuff. He would not sleep with Hannah if she had had an ounce of alcohol. Like, even sipped it. Mm. Nothing. It he was, was like scared that it was rape? Or what? That's what he said, but I, I don't really know what it was. I, I honestly, it was just like a weird psychological thing. Uh-huh. Eventually, I convinced him to not abide by that. But like, it was like probably a year into our relationship before he would do it. Hmm. Like, and then I think it was more like he would get very anxious. And so like, it, and most of the times that I was drinking, it was in group settings. And I think it was more like a social anxiety thing. He felt like weird and then didn't feel like in the mood or like comfortable with it. That's what my theory was. And then he just like threw out the fact that it was... Right. Well, you've been drinking. Yeah. And so that that's what I think really was going on. But I don't know. I have no idea. There was something there. There was something there. But yeah, you remember that though because there was like a whole thing. I remember it because it's the only thing I remember about him. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we're, not a lot we're good to go whenever you guys are ready to intro. Alright. Um, episode three. Yeah. Welcome back. Third. Um, number three. Third episode. There's four people here. There were four people here last time we recorded, but we didn't we didn't really make mention of it because it just 
kind of flowed and everything was natural, but Anna's here with us and she's been part of this brainchild since the beginning. Um, and now is going to join us every time we sit and hang out for an hour. Boom, baby. This is what we do kind of all the time. That's we what basically, I chose to say first. Boom, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we basically just re- record a podcast all the time, like constantly, except yeah. only once a week is there a microphone. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the dialogue that this microphone would pick up. Oh, these four walls. This ain't no Alexa, honey. This is not good. Thank and God. you guys had mentioned the idea of putting a, a camera in the room. Yep. Yeah, the more I think about that, the more I hate that idea <laughs> but oh wait camera in the i like the there. idea of you, when you guys said put a camera in the bathroom now that was an interesting uh, okay idea. that's what i was talking about i thought <laughs> you meant okay, really camera. feedback on that yeah okay camera here i don't hate i thought you were talking specifically when we were saying a like, camera in the bathroom while we get ready and stuff i'm not i don't the more i think about that the more i like really don't want anyone to <laughs> Like, yeah, we would have done that, but I decided uh, against it in the very The end. whole premise, though, is that girls are hysterical when they're getting ready uh, for a night out, but we don't, yeah, we might realize it. Yeah. <laughs> we think just, we're hysterical. It's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny. It's so funny because it's, it's constant. Like, we need to make a montage of, like, does anyone have, does anyone have, does anyone have? My boobs look weird. weird. Yeah. Do you have different pants? Yeah. I feel bloated. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, oh, everyone's always bloated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're all bloating ourselves. Do you need to go to the nutritionist? <laughs> everyone's always bloated. Wellness <laughs> check? How's everyone feeling? There's a lot of wellness checks happening. <gasps> Greg, how are you feeling? You probably don't get asked that enough as a man. You probably don't. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I've At this time in my life, I'm actually surrounded by people who ask that question a good amount. So that's really cool. Is it because of us? <laughs> In part, yeah. In part, yes. And that's cool. You laugh like, oh shit, somebody cares about my well-being emotionally. We'll pull it back. It's it's a good thing. No, it's a a good thing. But for the first time in my life, I have male friends who ask me that question as well. Good. It's nice. It's nice to feel Mm -hmm. cared for. Wellness check. How's everybody doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe we should go around the room real quick and do a wellness check before we start in on... The treat of the whole night is Kate's story. That's what we're we're mm-hmm. leading into today. But we can do a wellness check first. Alright, real quick, let's do a sentence each. Anna, go. Wake up naked, drinking coffee, making plans to change the world. Was that a oh, wait, song? What? That was a Dave sure Matthews life. Dave Matthews, honey. Oh, okay. So, oh shit, we'll have to have like a tagline like I already thought of. No. Dave Matthews. Should I? No, you said I one to... sentence, so right. I summed it up. There she goes. Beautiful. Change right, and discovery. You're up. Me, um, kind of weird, but kind of great. Kind of. Oh. Weird. That's good. That's wow. how I feel. Uh. I was approved for unemployment today. Oh, that was yes. the highlight of my day. That's Celebration. A Listen, you need clink glasses with you, but I'm not going to get there. Just you hearing that sound, cool. I can hear it. Greg? Sorry, Greg. <laughs> uh, my wellness check is that like I want to second yours, Anna. Uh, kind of, kind of weird and awesome or whatever. And I want to also add um, super sweaty too. Mm, good. Kind of weird, kind of sweaty. Okay. It, was that a, oh, kind of weird? Super sweaty. I'm sorry. There's no. First kind of, of all, long sentence. Did you hit a lot of home runs today or something? 
<laughs> Jesse never playing catch. Remember when the homeless guy was pooping in front of our face? Wait, I thought you were playing basketball. I know, you were wrong about that. Uh, I heard She I heard literally told us basketball. basketball. I, just, I confuse all the sports. Yeah, go sports. And, and so what are we getting into tonight? My story. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm so nervous about it, which is so silly because I've, I've said it so many times. I've never heard it, though. No, you haven't. So I guess the premise... I guess the nutshell, I, I always tell stories backwards, that's a thing of mine. So we'll start at the end. Quentin Tarantino, sorry yeah, to stop. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, I had a six year relationship end because he did not want to have children with me ultimately. Uh, and and that, was, that was sort of the finale of it all. Or didn't feel like that he could be willing to give that to me. Hmm. Maybe not that he didn't want it, but that he wasn't confident he would ever be able to provide it is probably the more fair way to say it. Um, but we met six years ago in Oklahoma. I was living there working as a journalist, and he was there in the military. And, oh my God, don't yell. I'm so sorry. And um, he had just gotten back from a deployment. I met him probably um, within a week and a half of him getting back to the States. And we just hit it off. I met him in a bar called Gertz, same bar that I found my cat at, uh, rest in peace. And within a couple months, four or five, we had to make a decision whether or not we wanted to continue this thing or, or call it. He was about to deploy again mm. and his deployment would be longer than you know, we'd known that the other existed on this planet. So it was a big decision to make. What did you like about really it? Quickly. Oh man, everything. Um, he was strong and kind of like burly and sort of just like always covered in like oil or dirt. And he oh, was, mama. I know, I know. Who doesn't love that? Wait, why oil? He was, he was building a car. Mm -hmm. And um, that was one of the first things that, one of like our first moments of maybe like intimacy outside of the physical. We laid, we laid under the car that he was building and it stood on its own weight for the first time. Mm -hmm. And that was like a moment. That's like one of the moments that I remember. I knew that I loved him very early on. And I remember saying, if he doesn't tell me that he loves me before he deploys, I'm gonna say it. Mm -hmm. um, but then he told me first, so I didn't have to, I didn't have to say it first. And uh, and so yeah, we decided we were like we're gonna do this thing, and we were gonna be apart for eight months, which was the length of his rotation. Um, I think it was a nine month deployment, but he came home early. About a month early, so so yeah, that was the big that was the first big decision that we made, and and really that set the scene for six years of just huge decisions, sort of over and over and over again. Can I uh, quickly? How old were you, and how old was he when you guys made this decision together? I was twenty three. He had just turned thirty. Right. Right. Okay. So there was a seven year age gap between us. Yeah, I mean that's not really. I was just. Room, not trying to remember how old you were because I forget, you know. Not it feels significant like. now, but it was significant then. 
I mean, it, it is significant, I guess. I, I, I was more just trying to remember how old you were whenever this was going on, because I forgot. I remember saying to him when he turned 30 and then 31 and 32, I remember saying, oh my God, your 30s scare me. And he was like, your 20s scare me. Accurate. Yeah. Although your 20s are good. Yeah. Are good. Yeah. They are good. You're not done with them. And so you guys had known each other for how long before you deployed? I want to say four or five months. Huh. And then and then he deployed for eight. Okay. Um. And it was a long deployment. It was a bad deployment. It was a hard one, um, for him and for me. And during that time period of of him being gone, I moved from Oklahoma to Illinois. I got another job, um, as a journalist covering the Midwest. So I I packed up and moved and. So when he got back to the States, he drove um, to see me in Illinois, and, and then we began our, our, our long-distance relationship, which was the, a theme throughout the rest of our time together. We were always in different states, different hemispheres, different countries. That was the norm for us, um, except for when I moved into his house. I lived with him for two years, and even when I was there, there was you know, long periods of time where we were separated even then. Um, sometimes out of the country, sometimes 30 miles down the road might as well have been another country, right? Why? Just because uh, training and, and not a lot of communication. So just a ton of separation. But when when I lived there, uh, I, I that's when I saw my future. I was like, this is it. This is... My person, this is my guy. It really took me sharing a room with him and a closet and a and a bathroom for me to be like, hell yeah. And I was I was so hell yeah. Did, didn't even have to think twice. I saw everything. Wait. Dancing in the kitchen. I oh. saw imaginary children. I saw it all. I was like, yep, done. I have a question. So I honestly forgot it was two years. And is that because some of it was him spent away like I know you lived in his house for two years but mm -hmm. how much of that time did he live there with you and was like actively there a lot am I just remembering this wrong and again sorry for anyone listening I it, it's my perspective and questions on this are totally based on like the friend listening and, and watching this happen like I, I uniquely I to your I story I knew you this whole time Right. Whereas you met me at the end of mine. And so I, it, I have like a totally weirder, different imagine, I guess. You also have a different interpretation because right in yeah. survival mode, which I now know that I was in for a lot of my relationship, I didn't disclose a lot of the pain, a lot of the hardship, right, a lot of the loneliness because were I to do that, I would have dwelled on it in my whole... And we would have asked you about it. My it whole situation would have been a lot We would have never been able to escape it. But yeah, I was alone a lot. Yeah. A lot. Even when I lived in his house, you know, we were, wrote letters to each other and, um, and you know, we're fueled by 24 or 48-hour weekends together that we absolutely made the most of, but there was a lot of, of a long time. What kept sure. that going? Because, I mean, 24 to 48 hours of time together, what, what actually kept you through all of the months over and over, however many times, what, four to five times? Or how many times yeah, like, did that what, happen what's to the you? cadence you know, like, here? 
how many times were we separated over the course of six years? Yeah, no, or even the time that you lived in his house. I don't know if I have a number of months that he was in the house with me versus not. I don't right. know that I can remember that because it was, you know, various stints away. It was various t- periods of time. Um, so I don't know if I have the answer to that, but I mean, but a multiple, lot. multiple trips, weeks at a time, weeks at a time, months at a time. Right. Was there anything consistent in what kept you going through that? Or was it different every time you saw him? What kept you for that span of time where you didn't see him again? Whatever memory that we created the the last time that we were together was what fueled me until the next one. And we were really good at creating magical, beautiful moments. Because we knew that they had to feed us. And in pride... Pride in our relationship being bigger than us. Um, pride in, in serving a, a bigger purpose. And I remember the day that I decided that, that pride was my method of survival. Um, I, I know exactly where I was standing. And I remember just saying, you know, have pride in what we've built. And, and that just like became my heroine, really, when I was really struggling. Because not only were we separated, but there was an entire element of fear that, um, you know, I didn't discuss a lot. You didn't. And, and I, I uniquely, it hurts me to hear you even say that as your friend. Um, being your friend through all of this was a total, uh, a total blackout to what you were actually going through. And we just, I won't say assumed, but re- I don't know, retreated to saying we're going to take everything she says as face value because that sounds fucking terrible and we don't want to, if I were in that position, it would be really hard but you never even let on that it was hard. What? So, how I couldn't. Sometimes you're not even aware. It's so subconscious and you're, you do have so much fear of, of being. Yeah, I mean they must have just really hit a, a tipping point there just to absolutely say this is hard. Just hold on to like we said it was hard to each other all the time. Yeah. Okay. I didn't say it was hard to anyone else. You're being very vague right now. We need specifics. That you said that there's like a moment where you were uh, you realized that your pride was at stake. No, my pride wasn't at stake. It was my pride that like made me say, okay, I can keep doing this. I have pride in this relationship. I have pride in his work. I have pride that we have something that's bigger than ourselves to worry about. There is a specific conversation I had with you about this. After mm-hmm. leaving Leslie's bachelorette party, I said to you, because you, the, for the first time in years, you admitted to me that it was hard. And I was like, that means it must be fucking awful because you never ever admit that. Mm-hmm. And I remember you being like, okay, 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 that, that is, it is. And then it is because duty, it is because all of that stuff, like the, that, that was wrapped up into your whole relationship. And like, I remember at that moment thinking, fucking let it go like there was nothing that you could have said i know Mm. that was a good katie impersonation too by the way like and like yeah it was a good one i was fulfilled by his fulfillment in a lot of ways and i will say and i can sitting on this couch six months later i can still honestly say that it wasn't the distance that ended our relationship it truly was the There wasn't a willingness there. You know, I want to be a mom one day. That's no secret. I mean, I I 
no touch secret. babies all the time in public. I'm just like, I need to like feel your feet. I love you. <laughs> no secret at all. And and this is something that he knew about me. It was a non-negotiable. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't the distance. I could have done the distance. We could have powered through that. You know, that kind of stuff doesn't last forever, but that lack of willingness to say your dreams are my dreams in the way that I felt I had is is really what what called it. I mean, yeah, for sure. And and that's so understandable because I mean, one of my favorite people to listen to is Dan Savage has like everybody has a price of room, of admission, right? When you decide you're somebody's you're you're gonna do this thing forever and like really commit, his price of admission was his job. And you had committed to that. You had said yes. Mm -hmm. Your price of admission was, I want kids. I had said yes. I would have said yes again. But I just needed it in return. Of course. Everybody has something. It's just one thing. Like one big thing and maybe a couple of little other little ones. Yeah, that was the big one. Um, When, When was the first time you really, truly, if you could be honest with yourself, say like, hey, this isn't gonna work. Were there any red flags like that? That you could be honest Listen, with yourself about? I thought I thought we still had a shot months after it was over. There's never been a time. There's never been a time where I thought I didn't want this. I I am learning now, you know that there is a scenario in which I don't have to beg for these things. Or convince someone that a life with me and a family with me is <laughs> something <laughs> to value. Thing to right. I know that that exists. I know that now. I wanted. So you said that it was magic moments that kept you going from one one absence to the next. Yeah. What were some of the magic moments? Oh man, there's so many. Um, one time. We rented this little cabin. We hadn't seen each other in like six weeks. And I surprised him with this little cabin in the woods in North Carolina. And we brought like canvases and paint and a pasta maker and all of this fun stuff. And we just like painted and made homemade pasta and watched Seinfeld reruns and just like hibernated. Um... Anytime he'd leave for a long time, he would get a custom vinyl record made with songs that had like spoken to us over the last couple of weeks or songs that he thought that I would really love but maybe didn't know yet. Mm-hmm. And he'd customize the record and the album art to be something like funny or silly and then, and then that could be something that I could listen to while he was gone. Uh, he was so thoughtful. Um, he drew a picture of me once and raced to get it painted before he had to leave again. And it was like me and and our dog, Dakota, and I was like in this gown that was made up. I've never worn a dress this fancy. <laughs> and I had like roses in my hair because we, we grew roses together and we made rose wine and um, all the time. So like roses were like a big theme in our relationship and I don't know that we ever bought a gift for each other. We made everything. We hmm. everything was 
personalized and custom and thoughtful. Sentimental. Really sentimental. Intentional. For being that tough, you know, covered in oil guy he was, he is, I mean, he's not dead. He was incredibly romantic and just so thoughtful, so purposeful. When I was little, um, I grew up in Texas, and so any time there was a tornado, I would get scared and I'd hide in the closet, and my parents would put my bicycle helmet on me to make me feel safer. And it was, it was like royal blue, and it had fish all over it. And the first time Vic left, he showed up on my door with a blue bicycle helmet that he'd stuck fish stickers all over. Mm. So anytime I was scared or lonely, he was like, you just put it on and look in the mirror. You're not going to be sad anymore. Mm. Just little stuff like that. He, he nailed it. He was incredible. Um, I left it in North Carolina because I thought there was no way in the world I'd never be back in that house. Right. Of course. So I don't even have it anymore. Why would you? It's probably better not to stare at it. Yeah. No, but I'll tell you what I will keep forever and ever and ever and it's the picture that he drew of me because at one point he saw me like that like a girl with flowers in her hair when I'm normally romping around in like yoga pants and and sweat and you know it's just something I keep it in my closet it's not like out on my wall it's in my closet but I just think like he saw me like that I I should see myself like that more it's possible yeah I still keep one of the letters Josh wrote me because it was the most like a flattering thing like even the worst person I knew could say about me and that to me was like okay like I can I can if if somebody who has such (laughs) terrible ideas about themselves and and even me eventually could have seen me like that I I feel like I can see you can see yourself that way right it's a good reminder weird little reflection it's it you know it's I don't look at it and say like Oh, I, I think of it's more of a personal thing. You know, someone thought of me this way. I can certainly think of myself right. that way too. Yeah, yeah. So, I so I lived in this. I lived with Vic. It was it was our house. It was a beautiful time. Things got really intense um, for him professionally, and we made a decision together that I would move back to Texas and take a job as a journalist in an Austin newsroom. And uh, I, I wanted to be closer to my friends. I wanted to be within driving distance to my parents, I needed a support system. And uh, so I did, so I left. And I remember getting the job over the phone. He's boarding a plane and I call him and he's literally walking up the steps and I'm like, is Texas a place where you can see starting your life with me? Yes, okay, talk to you when I talk to you. Bye, that's how it went. I mean, hell, even when I moved into his house we hadn't spoken in six weeks and i while he was gone flew out there interviewed got the job flew back accepted it he called me for the first time in in six weeks and i was like guess what i'm moving in see you in three weeks and he made space for me in his closet and then that was it but that's how we did things mm-hmm. there was no long contemplation there couldn't be there was no contemplation it was this is this is how we operate we're on the fly and we're gonna make it work because that is what we do we make it work and and that's why I I thought when it came down to my one thing wanting to have a family one day or at least trying 
um, that we would just make it work. Hmm. So I'm in Texas at this point and he's, he's coming to visit me for my birthday. And, uh, at, at one point on the phone, I don't remember the conversation so much of this is a blur, but, but basically what started coming out is he didn't think that he could give me these things. And I said, well, this is what I'm asking for. I want, I want these things. I feel like I'm giving a lot. And, um, we had like three really bad weeks over the phone leading up to him coming to visit me for, for my birthday. And, and at one point it got so intense and I was so exhausted that I said, if you don't think that, that you can be willing to try and have a family with me one day, just please don't even get on the plane. Just don't get on the plane because I can't do it. I'm broken. I'm exhausted. I'm broken. And there were points where I really thought that he wasn't going to get on the plane. I'm confused. Why is why was this the the boiling point of this conversation? I think I just he had, had a really hard time when he was gone the last time. I had a hard time. No, he did. And, and he had a hard time. I had a hard was, time. It was a separation, and it was worse than some of the others. I got to a point in all of this where. My ability to move forward depended on some sort of affirmation that what I wanted would eventually come. One day, one day, one day. And he finally said, I'm scared that, that one day is never going to come. And, you know, you're going to resent me. And it'll be too late for all of this. And it's fair. And it's honest. But it, it killed me. Because I thought that I deserved it. I thought that when you loved someone so much and you gave so much that you got what you wanted. That's not true. So he, he does get on the plane and I pick him up from the airport and, and it's my birthday. And we spend kind of four pretty horrible days together. We played probably 500 games of dominoes because we didn't know what else to do. We didn't know how to talk about this. We didn't know how to make a decision because we knew that this decision would be uh, the end. So we just played dominoes like over and over and over. And um, on the 19th, I said, we need to have a conversation. He's leaving on the 20th. And, um, and I, you know, we just talked and I said, is this something that you feel like you can be willing to try with me one day? I'm not, I'm not saying tomorrow. I'm not saying next year, but you know, three years from now, five years from now, this is something that I'm going to want. And, you know, he knew that and he was tender and kind, but unfortunately like his honesty is killed me and and so we hugged each other and, and Wait, we realized what did he say? that it was over he said he couldn't he said he didn't know and that wasn't enough for me not after six years I needed someone to know and 
and I do want to say, and I know the story is so uniquely yours, and honestly, I'm it. I almost cried earlier when I thought about back to that moment because I remember this stuff with you. It's hard, um, but this isn't the first time he's doubted, and so that's part of the reason why you said I don't know isn't good enough anymore. Yeah, we'd had the kid conversation before. And we beat it, and we were on the same page. I mean, there were times when he told me he liked the name Florence for a little girl, and there were times when he told me how cool it would be to like renovate an old Crown Vic as a family car. I, I, I had all this. It was mine. It was all I ever wanted. Um, and, and anyway, he said, I don't know, and I don't know didn't work for me. And we hugged and we split a beer and we talked about um, all the ways that we were grateful for each other. And that was it. And then I dropped him off at the airport. And that was it. It was hard. Mm-hmm. And he came over to my house. And I read an entire book. And you read an entire book. <laughs> Which I book? From where? Oh, Salt, Salt by Naid or Salt. Naid Wahid, the, a mm. wonderful poet. She's just really. I honestly can't believe you read that right after that because that was hard for me to read years after a bad breakup. But uh, <laughs> I thought he was coming with a ring. She did. Yeah. I. Oh. Sure. I thought he was. We Kate, all did. Kate. I Everyone in my life told me this is what was happening. I just, my, we literally, I had talked to all our friends. I thought, my money is on reconciliation. There's no way he's going to let this girl go after everything. No fucking way. We all did. I did. I thought, and then, and then when he didn't come with the ring, I thought for sure he was going to show up on my parents' doorstep at Christmas. And then when that didn't happen, I thought for sure he was going to come and be on the porch one day when I got home. I just didn't buy that this was over. It's shocking for me because I wasn't around to watch all of this. I actually picked up reconnecting with you right when this went down for you. I mean, maybe months prior, right? Like July, we reconnected and this happened in November. And it, it's shocking for me to hear that somebody's so intentional and thoughtful and careful. It just stops. You know, it's like it turned off. Like it's like a light switch. There and are parts of this... <laughs> It's tough because I think he thinks that this was on me mm. and I think this was on him. And so, and so that's hard because no one did anything wrong. Mm. He was honest and I was honest mm. and they were two different truths. That's what happened. That's tough. That's really Neither hard. one of us wanted this relationship it's almost to be like over. you wish someone would have been shitty. Yeah. <laughs> It would make it easier. You wish someone would have fucked up because then it would be no, there's no gray area. There's no, who's to blame? It's like, no, it's you, it's me, it's whatever. And you can just like deal with that grief as a very different type of thing than darn it. Things don't work out sometimes. mm -hmm. Like, holy fucking shit, that's so much worse. I I don't mean to like, I feel like I'm like making it sound like, but I, I really, I really feel your pain I was around it fucking sucked like in a different aspect of our lives like think about if you did this if you brought this value that you're talking about to your work right they don't want you to fuck up 
They want you to see it coming, prevent it, avoid the fuck up so you can be productive, right? It's almost opposite in relationships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're like, wow, wouldn't it be easier if it wasn't this difficult and you just made a big fuck up that I couldn't forgive? But it's not that way. Like it's No, yeah, yeah. because if you, ha- if you were in any other setting, you'd say, wasn't on me. Right. I did my best. Right. And you can walk away. And you can walk away knowing you did your best. But in this setting, it's, it's a very, very hard to do that. There's a gray area. It's a little weird. You're just like, well, we're both participants in this relationship. And society supports that. You know, people look around and they say, why did you break up? Why did you get divorced? Why did, why did these things happen? Did he cheat? Did she cheat? You know, cheating what is acceptable. Right? What warranted this action that ended Exactly. People want to pinpoint a One reason. thing. Right. Right. Mm. What's the reason? Well, why why did you break up? Well, yeah. Do you have an hour? Right. Exactly. Well, luckily. We what didn't. happened? <laughs> that word, <laughs> that phrase killed but, me. But what honestly, happened? Honestly, though, and that is though like the first thing you go to. But I, I think it truly comes back to the meaning of why we started this whole thing is because people want to feel connected to you. People want to know your story. People want to know where it went bad because they know where they went bad. Like, I really do feel like that's why everyone's, it's everyone's natural instinct. Absolutely. In the, in the same way that, that there's no selfless good deed. Right. People are always trying to interpret it, trying interpret to other people's stories to somehow light the path of their, of their own journey a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, we play that game all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And and there are, are there are ways in which there's merit there, you yeah. know. Um, I we after the breakup we played this weird game of, of limbo, you know. Find your stability and and then and then come come back for me. And you know it's been six months and that that's not where we are anymore. And and maybe we never were. It might have been. Um, survival mode a little bit I mean how in the world were we going to do that goodbye at an airport without some sort of hope when you left that airport you told me nothing's changed I know I remember Mm -hmm. that and I was like everything's changed well I mean and part of me believed you I mean again like you're like you know I felt all I felt all that shit with you pain for you all of it and so I was like I hope in some way that's true but I just I I know my experience and I know that that as much as I wanted those things to be true when I broke up with somebody that I deeply loved and cared about we were not ready to let it go Mm-mm. ever and so it, for months it was nothing's changed we're never not going to be in each other's life that's we a will crazy help each thought. other heal that's a crazy thought that we wouldn't be in each other's lives and then then you realize how hard it is to heal together. No. Like, that doesn't no. happen. No, it but man, we thought, we tried. We yeah. tried. You did. And what happened? Um, I ended up, I ended up writing him a long email, as I would, naming by number the reasons why I couldn't speak right now. Um, I was hurt. There was so much of me that felt, like, abandoned, like the rug was pulled out of of, from under my feet I you had everything there were ways that I felt conned a little bit like how long did you know I still feel that way a little bit um but 
and we've, I think we've hinted at this a little bit. A couple weeks ago, I lost my job, and I remember, and I, I didn't, I didn't cry when I was fired. It's a job. I'll find another one. But I sobbed when I thought about someone coming up to me and saying, in three years, will you give me this? When I was unstable. And that was the first time that I, I really felt true empathy for him in his decision in, in saying, I don't know that I'm going to be able to provide this thing that you desperately want. Because at that time he was unstable professionally and, and personally and really in every way. And I felt empathy then, you know, I, I asked for something huge. He said he didn't know. And then I became the most unstable that I'd ever been. And I, I said, oh, okay, maybe I get it. And I, I told him that and I apologized. And, you know, he said, okay, it's okay. Yeah, he had an absent father himself. He didn't want to be that for a child. Uh, he had sisters that he played a huge part in raising that played a, a role in this. Um, you know, being gone so much was, was big. Yeah, I think he had reasons and I think they were valid. I think they were valid reasons. They just logic and emotion don't usually react at the same time. <laughs> like, well, but I mean, yeah. they were valid. Yes. But also like you were forming something new. Like, you should have had hope. I needed hope. That's he me. needed hope. That's all I had. And you should have been his hope. At least in my mind, like, how could you have not been his hope? Like, you, you would have met the promise of a totally more different, amazing future for him because he went through this horrible thing growing up as a kid. That was a horrible time. But then it was over, and he remade his life into this beautiful thing and found you, part of this beautiful thing he found. And it could have been so fucking awesome. And I remember, like, screaming, <laughs> like, on the floor, like, how can you not think this would be worth it? How? How is that possible? After everything that we've done. Hard stuff. Like, really hard stuff. I don't, I, I don't get it. I I didn't get it. I don't get it. You might. But you don't want you don't want to beg someone to do those things with you, right? Mm -hmm. You want that to be someone's honor and privilege, like it would have been. They should be excited. Absolutely. I mean, I I didn't just want a child one day. I wanted his kid. I wanted a kid that you know saw that type of integrity and and saw this like dirty man who builds things and grows things and um, you know drags trees into the kitchen to make beer out of them you know I want I wanted all of that I wanted a kid to see the kind of like dad leave and come back and know why I mean I, it wasn't like I just wanted some some kid I could have that in nine months right that's easy. It was all about him. Probably way, way, way too much. Probably. What have been some major things since all of this unfolded that have leapfrogged you towards healing or even like minor steps towards actually being able to maybe put a piece back or two pieces back at a time? 
when when this first happened, I you know I wrote religiously, and um, I I immediately started seeing a therapist just because I knew uh, I wanted I wanted to stay on top of my emotions. I really didn't want to suppress this. I didn't want to bury this. I wanted to kind of consciously walk a path of healing. Um, those two things, uh, Hannah and I traveled together and that was healing. Learning to access anger was healing for me as well because it's not an emotion that I can access easily. But I'm very into anger. Hannah's, Hannah got me a little bit more in tune with it. <laughs> very sorry and also not sorry for that. <laughs> It's empowering. It's a more empowering emotion than sadness. And I'm far more prone to being sad. I can access that more easily than I can access being angry. Um, but I needed to be a little bit angry. That helped. Yeah. And then and then meeting people. Uh, the first time that I met someone that, that like gave me a little bit of a butterfly, I went home and sobbed. Because there was some a little bit of finality. The door closed a little bit more. Yeah. And then a little bit more and then a little bit more. And there's some pain in that too. It's part of it's part of healing. I mean, you want that, right? But um but that's a that's a unique challenge too. It is. Moving on is a you know, I had an ex-boyfriend actually semi-recently tell me he hasn't even quote thought about moving on. And moving Ooh. on felt like moving to another person for him. And to me, moving on felt like just not having this thing rule my brain for my whole days. Mm. And I feel like, and I, I thought he was crazy. I was like, that's stupid, that's nuts. But then I've recently kind of come to this like realization that like, no, actually, like moving on means letting someone else into your brain. Because like, you're never gonna not have like this like, urge to get to know someone right I don't know at least to me be thirsty for other human connection yeah right connection in some way and maybe that isn't always romantic maybe it isn't always someone you want to date maybe it's just a person you want to get to know but like I I think I think pretty very recently come to mm -hmm. adopt that like yeah that's real like right saying I'm willing to let someone else into my brain and like kind of conquer my thoughts for a little bit is I completely agree with that. It's a, it's a valid. It's a, it's a valid tactic of moving on, and I I didn't let that happen for myself for a long time, and I think that's what he was talking about. We and just think about it so in such a linear way too. You know, our lives are people kind of shame you for it too. They're like, oh, you're already dating someone else. Oh, you're already doing this. that. Word already mm. already fills me because my story is not ready yet, and I will tell my story later. But you're already moving oh. on you're already doing things that that word you is already crushing. wanted human connection how dare you <laughs> but but to go back to the, the moving on just thought in general we we think about it very linearly you know i'm gonna do this step one step two step three process and it's such a pinball machine it, it, is it really is pinball. nothing about it is linear you know they're like Absolutely the five not. steps of grieving <laughs> like, well and kate and i have not. talked about this a lot is the waves Waves, but I, I gotta say something about the five steps. When I was kind of beginning this journey of healing, I was absolutely militant 
in it. Like I was determined to control it as in tomorrow I will interface too. (laughs) I'm serious. I was like, I have now entered the anger phase because I, there was so little you could control. I couldn't get trapped underneath it. And I felt like if I did, there was just no coming out of it. You know, you also weren't in control of this ending. You felt helpless. You did not feel like you had control over this finite decision that was made for you. And so of course you wanted to own something and say, I'm in phase two anger. Hey, none of us are too proud to beg. (laughs) Not at all. This is what this whole thing's about is failure, right? And so failure, some of it, and and I do think we should spend some time at the end of the story talking about how we define that failure because we've gotten a lot of feedback and really good feedback on Mm -hmm. what is a failure. What, um, what constitutes a failure. And, and in all of these stories, there is hope and life and, and you know, glimmers of um, positivity and so much gratitude. So much gratitude. That's a theme for me, for sure, um, in everything I do. That's just sort of my theme word. You are one of the most positive people I know. And so... It is very hard to ever see you get down. And I, I, like, I've t- explained this to other people too. Like, anytime Kate's down, it's like, she's so fucking positive, no matter what happens. Like, you're very much up, up, up. Like, you, you see the bright side. And if you, if you don't, if, you, if the bright side's in the future, you're like, I'll get there tomorrow. Like, you're very, like, on it. You're actionable. You're like, you're not gonna be. I don't know. It's sedentary about any of your current state. And it is, again, hearing this story, I forgot how hard this was for a minute. Can you believe that? <laughs> I forgot for a minute. And that. I have too. I was thinking about it earlier today, you know, knowing that I was going to sit and talk about this, like in length. And, and I, I, I kind of forgot. There, there's two months of my life that I don't remember. I don't remember yeah. going, like, how I did work. I don't remember. No clue. Autopilot. I don't remember anything. A complete blur. And, and you know, now I, now I don't feel just, that at all. You know, there yeah. are. And how many times did we, like, talk about how much that would change? Yeah. I mean, I really don't think you ever believed me. <laughs> But, like, really, really tried to hammer home, like, time this changes. And, and the, the glimmer, I mean, so much gratitude for this experience. And the big reason is that because I've been through this, I am so much more empathetic. And I see the, the times where I have completely belittled my friend's heartbreak, my friend's breakup. And I have said the wrong thing. And that kills me. Um, you know, we can, we can say this because you will eventually share your story, but you know, Anna showed up on my doorstep with her clothes and her guitar and a couple pieces of art and said, can I stay in your spare room? Um, you know, she was, she was getting a divorce and had that happened when I was in a happy, healthy, flourishing relationship, I would have, I would have infuriated you, you know? Very much so. I I yeah. felt I felt it for you and with you, and I wouldn't have been able to do that. And I mean, I'm a more whole person because of this. 
I know that. It sucked. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, here's the thing. I was gonna say, I didn't know heartbreak could last that long. The real sentence is, I did not know heartbreak. I thought I had done it, and I hadn't. <laughs> and, and then everything, you know, paled in comparison. Well, here's the thing is, you knew heartbreak, you had never felt rejection. And I think that's really what we're talking about here is you felt like real rejection this time around of your heartbreak because you've been in relationships before and you felt bad about them and they ended and you didn't feel good for sure. That was heartbreaking. But like the rejection portion of like I gave everything and you still didn't like what yeah. like, you know, that that thrown back in your face portion is uh, the rejection part that we're really, really talking about. Here. The strongest rejection you've ever had, for sure. Right. Everybody's been rejected to some degree in the past, but this kind of rejection was rejecting your whole self it and your dreams. with you for a while. It makes you question everything, question yourself, all of that yeah. shit. And there are is. different various... I mean, that's what we're talking about this entire time. There are various um, volumes and scenarios of what a fail, mm -hmm. a fairy fail is, right? You know, there, oh, there's, no, there's no fail too small, there's no fail too large, and that is something that we need to make so clear as we share our own stories that, you know, we, it was important for all of us to, to share a big story and be very vulnerable, almost as, as, as if it was an invitation for, for whoever is to come talk with us next to do the same. But um, yeah. not all of them are going to be as sad and as somber. Some of them are going to be hilarious. We've got those too. We do. We, we chose to share our most vulnerable, most uh, somber, and I think partly to be therapeutic for our own selves. At least I know that was like a, definitely a reason for me to want to do that, but also because... But in hope that others would share In theirs. hope that yeah. other people would be as real and honest, because mm -hmm. I, I did, really did do like a general survey of my friends who I've been intimately acquainted, acquainted with their failures in various ways, and I think that their failures are hopeful and inspiring, at least from my perspective, and they are still not very willing to share. And I think some people need a little like, hey, here's what I'm doing. I need to like tell you first, um, kind of prodding. And so that was my motivation. And I think mm -hmm. um, me- We're the coaches that are gonna run laps with you. You know what I mean? Right, like, For that is a great way to put it, for fucking sure. And we wanna hear that, and we wanna hear from Right. People that are listening and that they're affected by these experiences that we have, whatever volume you've heard, you know, Hannah's story is you know, an aggressive, abusive relationship, which mm -hmm. is a different, totally fail, totally right. different failure than right. Katie and my shares therapist, which she, she listened to the podcast a bunch of times. She's wonderful. She said to me, you know, I love what you did. I love what you guys did. And I think you should keep doing it. She's like, it's just hard for me to listen to it as like someone who's protective of you and say like, you failed. Like, obviously, you didn't fail. And I'm like, L -l you're missing the whole point. A fail. And it was a fail. Like, yeah. expectation versus reality is really what we're getting at here. And how impactful was that expectation versus reality difference to your life? And so, I guess if somebody's asking what a fail is to us, a fairy fail is what did you expect based on the weird rhetoric you were fed mm -hmm. versus what actually happened? Your and reality failed did that to gap impact your life? And that is sort of how we're defining failure. And even then, if it wasn't your fault. Even right. if it wasn't your fault. Like, I don't think it was my fault that I went through a, a traumatic experience with an abusive person. I no, think it no. Was, 
I think it was my expectation versus reality that I was trying to communicate there and that I would you like to You expected to not get the shit beat out of yeah, you. No, exactly. Imagine that. Wow. Imagine that. What a... Hard. Yeah. You expected to have kids with a person who said they'd have kids with you. Imagine that. Nuts. You know, like, nuts. And so, but that's the kind of thing that, like, isn't told a lot, at least in terms of, like, the finality of those stories. And so that's kind of where... That's what a fail is to us. And then perhaps exploring maybe for the first time how you're better for it. Yes. Sometimes we don't do that and we should. And and if there's any reason for anything, it's always that. Yeah, of course. I, again, if, if we didn't, if we weren't even beginning to talk about how we're better for it, then I think we'd be failing a little bit here. But so far, Greg's only the only funny one. I know. <laughs> so far, Greg's been the only funny story. So sorry. We're going to lighten it up. Trust me, the next one's going to be funnier. We've already decided. Let's wrap it up there, ladies. Yeah. Closing remarks. <laughs> oh, closing remarks? Briefly. Uh, Kate's the bravest girl I know, for sure. Very brave. Uh, because she faces... She chooses positivity over cynicism every time until it is apparent that she's not going to get it. And that is a brave, a brave thing to do. Plus one with the bravery because of that, but also because it takes a lot of bravery and courage to make yourself open to love again and open to human connection after you feel like you've been shattered. And to be bold enough to open yourself back up again and make yourself vulnerable to be shattered again is a, is a, a large bravery that a lot of people don't learn. They just learn how to scab over and, and, and not open themselves back up again. But the person that can do that is the person that feels that love energy and that um, next learning experience come back to them. And that is a whole different type of courage and bravery that we aren't really taught how to manage value even. Yeah. It's not seen as bravery. It's just resilience isn't really seen as bravery until you realize how valuable it is. Some people, some cynical, cynical people, or maybe people that don't understand would think that that's dumb. Why would you get hurt and reopen yourself back up? Did you learn nothing? You know, like that's, that's not the thing that I'm like, no, I learned everything, everything. And I'm going to do it again and I'm going to change some things, but yeah, bravery is the word of the day. Beautiful. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we love ya. <laughs> <laughs>